particularly in Calvin's treatment of the subject, that a prime motivation for stressing the testimonium has been the laudable desire to oppose all forms of semi-Pelagian synergism, especially as manifested in Roman Catholic theology and practice. The reformer is not about to concede that Scripture's veracity depends upon the church or on clever ecclesiastical argument. The Bible's sole authentication must come directly from God himself, and thus the acceptance of its truth will ultimately derive from the work of God the Holy Spirit in the heart and mind of the believer, and from no other source. Unfortunately, however, this particular medicine for fighting synergism has negative side effects of the gravest kind. The testimonium teaching applied strictly would eliminate all serious efforts to convince the unbeliever of biblical truth by the presentation of factual evidence in its behalf. Why? Because it would follow that any and all such evidence could never succeed, conviction depending not on it, but on the Holy Spirit's direct action on the individual unbeliever. True, even Calvin spends a chapter setting forth objective evidences for the divine character of the Bible, that's book 1, chapter 8, but there and elsewhere he is at pains to emphasize the inadequacy of all such reasoning. And I quote from that chapter, This bare and external proof of the word of God should have been amply sufficient to engender faith, did not our blindness and perversity prevent it. But our mind has such an inclination to vanity that it can never cleave fast to the truth of God, and it has such a dullness that it is always blind to the light of God's truth. Accordingly, and note this sentence, accordingly, without the illumination of the Holy Spirit, the word can do nothing. Without the illumination of the Holy Spirit, the Word can do nothing. Unquote. Reconciling testimony and theology with Scripture's own teaching and example encounters overwhelming obstacles. If evidence can never convince the unbeliever, what is the point of the Petrine injunction? Be ready always to give an answer, the Greek apologia, defense, to every man that asks you a reason for the hope that is within you. Why does our Lord, at the beginning of his earthly ministry, heal a paralytic so as to demonstrate objectively that he has divine miraculous powers, thereby convincing his hearers that he can also forgive sin. Mark 2. What is the significance of the detailed physical descriptions of the resurrected Christ if not to convince doubters? A spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. Doubting Thomas incident. Why would Luke bother to stress that there were many infallible proofs of Christ's resurrection? In, in Acts 1.3, and what possible reason would there be for Paul's emphasis on the risen Christ having been seen by over 500 witnesses, of whom the greater part remain unto the present? 1 Corinthians 15. Indeed, the apostles' entire apologetic strategy on the Areopagus at Athens, Acts 17, would have been meaningless if evidence presented to unbelievers has no power to convince. To be sure, efforts have been made to explain testimonium thinking so as to reduce the tension with such biblical passages as we have just cited. Uh, Dumergue, in his uh, Jean Calvin, the great 19th century six-volume treatment of Calvin, um, follows John DeWitt of Princeton at the turn of the century. It would be plainly absurd to say that the Spirit conveys even the smallest bit of information or that his work furnishes a testimony, except indirectly, as to any literary issues raised by the biblical text on the matter of its veracity. The Spirit's witness concerns the saving truth of the entire text and does not embrace the document which incorporates that truth. The Holy Spirit testifies with power to the truth of the Bible and its authority, not to its inspiration and canonicity. 
It is history which attests the canon. It is the Bible which attests its own inspiration. The Holy Spirit attests the Bible's divine character and the absolute authority of the saving truth contained in the Bible. Uh, that's my translation of the French, and I've tried to make the passage as persuasive as possible, but there are certain things you cannot even do through translation. <laughs> uh, for Dumerg, Calvin's teaching on the testimonium is simply a special case of the Reformer's general principle that the Holy Spirit is the sole teacher in matters of faith. La doctrine sur le témoignage du Saint-Esprit n'est qu'une application particulière de la doctrine générale de la maîtrise du Saint-Esprit. The testimony of the Holy Spirit is only a particular application of the general doc doctrine of the Spirit as teacher. This, however, will not do. One cannot dualistically split the truth and authority of the Bible from its inspiration and canonicity, claiming that the witness of the Holy Spirit applies to the former and not to the latter. Because truth, authority, inspiration, and canonicity are integrally connected, a problem with any one of them will be a problem for all of them. If the Holy Spirit